0: Still waking up a little bit, but I'm getting <laughs> Yeah, I feel ya. I feel yeah. <laughs>
1: I am sleep deprived but otherwise good.
0: morning you're listening to love ya the podcast guide to all of the wide variety of teen romantic comedies that are currently available to us through our various streaming services i am martha sullivan young adult librarian and teen lit appreciator and joining me as always today is my co-host
1: uh i'm marvin Hagman, youth services librarian and rom-com enthusiast
0: and today we are going to be discussing the Netflix original Alex Strange Strangelove, uh, released in 2018, uh, written and directed by Craig Johnson, and starring Daniel Do- you'll all have to forgive me because I am probably going to mispronounce at least three of these names, uh, Daniel Doheny, um, Madeline Weinstein, uh, Antonio Marzial uh daniel zolgadri and others uh so alex strange love is the story of alex a high school class president and uh senior in high school who has been dating his best friend claire for about a little over a year and uh or a little under a year i think yes yeah um And just when he decides That he's about ready To take the next step with Claire uh, And have sex uh, Certain events In his life happen that send him uh, Down Down a road to sort of Explore and question his own sexuality He meets Elliot A very charming college student at a party Who is also gay um, And starts to get very close to elliot um while also uh, sort of exploring what is going on between him and claire uh, and around alex uh are also his dp friends and their own issues and high school shenanigans um and it all culminates with uh alex realizing that he is in fact gay and what that means for him and claire and also for elliot Marin, what did you think of this movie? Um I enjoyed it. Uh,
1: I thought it was um a lot of a lot of fun. Um yeah, I enjoyed kind of the uh the opening through line of like different types of animals. I thought yes. that was very charming. Um that went through like the whole movie. Um I think this is a movie where the strength of the cast outdid the strength of the writing. Um agree. And I think, you know, looking back on it, I was like this was a very like thinly written movie. I think I bought it because the the three leads did such a good job.
0: Uh Yes, uh, Daniel Doheny is playing Alex, Madeline Weinstein is playing Claire, and um, Antonia Marzial is Elliot, and the three of them in various combinations have very good chemistry. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I I thought this movie was cute. Um, I had a thought halfway through... That I think it would have been stronger if Alex was by. Yes. Um. That feels like it might have been a bit more of a compelling conflict for him. Um, but this this movie definitely had a little bit of the "no teenager talks this way" conflict. Mm. Um. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah, it was, it felt very, uh, adults writing for teenagers. But I thought it was, I thought, overall, I thought it was charming. Um. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't really sure what to make of Alex's friends, honestly. Yeah,
1: they weirdly, in a flip-flop from The Perfect Date, the, the best friends were inarguably the weakest part of this movie um Dell I think his name is um yeah. I did appreciate there is a moment the one moment I really appreciated Dell was when he threw up gummy worms oh,
0: on God. Alex
1: and Claire I I thought that was pretty hilarious um just like the scenes of him cuz he was um I forget what he had taken he licked the frog oh he, he licked, licked the frog. frog that was it um which
0: and... this is this is a movie where teens lick a hallucinogenic toad to get high so um the humor is occasionally not complex
1: yeah um and so you see like him kind of tripping and thinking he is puking rainbows when in fact he is puking all the gummy bears that he ate um but that was kind of the one moment that I think Dell really brought anything to this
0: movie. Um. Well, I will say I enjoyed his... So Del's character also has a little side story where he's had a crush on a girl, Sophie, for a very long time, who is sort of casually cruel to him because like, he's sort of a dweeb and she's presumably hot and popular. A lot of this is conjecture because the movie doesn't get super into it it kind of relies on like some keywords see and I
1: read this more as Del so at the beginning of the movie we find out Del sent her in sixth grade you know pictures of himself flexing in the mirror without a shirt on and she has been I don't want to say like well, she showed the pictures to everyone and it resulted um, in him teased, being teased. But I also read that as it was kind of a healthy thing that he was duly chastised for sending a girl unsolicited, half naked pictures. I don't know. I had to read that, like, she wasn't into Dell because of his own actions rather than because he just happened to be a dweeb.
0: Oh, yeah, but... I i mean, I, I think it's... He's kind of coded as being, um... I guess I'm saying dweeb when what I really mean is ridiculous. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, I guess the kind of point is that, um... There are a couple moments in the movie where... Sophie sort of uses the fact that he has a crush on her. And there's a very good scene towards the end where he calls her out for that, where, you know, she calls him and like uses the fact that he has a crush on her to get information. And when he gets mad at her, she tries to play it off like, oh, you want to get mad that I, you know, am helping my friend? And he's like, no, I'm mad because you lied to me and you made me think that um like you made me think that you were being nice to me and that I thought was a very good moment for Dell, just because it gave him a chance to like confront the fact that she is being a bit of a bully at that point and being cruel to him and using the knowledge that she knows that he likes her to accomplish something separate
1: Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, yeah, I guess just because Dell had spent so much of the movie, like, with this kind of swagger and hadn't, it really seemed to apologize for sending her these pictures back in the day, um, I, I guess I was, like, less inclined to be more, or less inclined to be sympathetic to him, but, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, if you've, um,
0: yeah, well, and I admit that my it was my own failing that I I did not um I did not treat the sending her photos as seriously as I should have, I think. Um the movie plays it off as a joke and I think you're right. Like that is no one should be sending photos of themselves in any state of undress to other people when it's not consensual and that's not okay. Um and I guess I had not treated it as seriously because I was willing to go along with the movie's view that he kind of gets um, punished for that by the fact that she shows them to other people and right. ends up being uh, although he isn't the, the movie also kind of goes out of its way to say that he was not humiliated by that that he was just kind of like eh. so maybe that's not um Really, an equivalent at all, well, and he also
1: the other sorry the other thing that like I read from that too was like it's not like Dell took that moment and learned, oh, maybe if I want to have a relationship with a girl instead of doing what I think you know machismo demands, I am you know just gonna be mad at her for making fun of me to people. And kind of continue this like I think half good hearted half like desperate attempt at an image of like virile masculinity, um, and I think that's kind of what turned me off about the Dell character. I was just like, "Oh, come on, man, like just sure, calm down <laughs> like." Ugh. And plus there, and I'm trying to remember exactly what he said to Alex, but there's this scene where he just gives Alex the worst advice um, while Alex is trying to open up to him and, you know, let him into the inner conflict that he's having. And instead of, you know, listening, he just kind of... And I forget whether it's... um, Like, I'm forgetting exactly what Del said, but I just remember being like, ooh, ooh, no, no, Del. So.
0: Well, I believe Del is the character that he's having the conversation with um, when he's starting to, when he, meaning Alex, is starting to realize that he may not be entirely straight, and he says, I think I might be bi, and Del decides that bi people don't exist. Oh, yeah.
1: That, I think, is the scene I'm
0: thinking about. I was just like, oh. he 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 has a line where he's like, were you listening to Panic at the Disco and masturbating to a beautiful yeah. of a vampire? No, then you're not bi. And it's like, well, mm. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, and that, I mean, to the movie's credit, that was probably the only, like, cringy moment um, like that. But, yeah, because that was Dell, I was much less inclined to be sympathetic to him the rest of the movie. Okay. It was
0: a bad scene. Yeah. And I, I think... Really, I I enjoyed... The call-out moment between him and Sophie. Like, almost in isolation. Sure. Just because... In the... Like, the context of the scene... Um, Claire has enlisted Sophie to help her go find Alex. And to do that, Sophie calls Dell for information. And... At the end of a, you know, sort of fraught moment, um, mm-hmm. you know, she's she, Sophie and Dell are talking, and she's like, "Oh, you are mad at me for helping defend my friend," and he says, "No, I'm mad at you for lying to me." And that scene in isolation, I did enjoy because it it feels like Sophie just expected to be, like in her head, she was helping her friend and not thinking about right. the consequences of using someone, even if it is somebody that we don't really like. So that particular moment I enjoyed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that was kind of the only time we got to really see Sophie do anything. And it, True. it, it did make me wish we had gotten more of her character. It intrigued me. I agree. Me.
0: Um, I would like to say that I really enjoyed how much of a person Claire got to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, she plays. She has sort of a thankless job in this movie where she has to play the girlfriend who eventually has to like release Alex into the world so that he can be, you know, with the the guy that he's uh, actually in love with. And I appreciated that before that happened, like before she had to take on this sort of self-sacrificial role, that she got to be a, a person with wants and desires of her own. Um, she is a, a teen girl in a high school movie who doesn't get punished for wanting to have sex, which I enjoyed. Yeah, it made me... That scene actually really reminded me of... Have you seen
1: Blockers?
0: I have not yet. You need to see blockers. Um, yeah, the and Which scene are we talking about?
1: Uh, the scene where she is like, all right, let's do it. Let's go have sex. Um, when they're in the car. Oh, okay. Yeah, like when they're about to go into the hotel room. Um, yeah, that really reminded me in a good way of blockers. Which...
0: On another note. I yeah. think you would just really enjoy, so you should. Watch I no, I, it's on my list. It's on my <laughs> list for sure. Um. She also has a great scene where she's talking about was it sixteen candles or Pretty yes. in Pink? Uh, sixteen candles. Sixteen candles. When she's talking about the the um love interest in that and how he's kind of a jerk but he's also hot and dumb and sweet and you know why can't she just have that and high school me related so hard to her in that particular moment (laughs) um yeah I think I was just disappointed that at the end she had to be the one who was like I release you to go be who you are and that just felt sort of self-sacrificial to me in a way that I wasn't super satisfied with but the other I mean the other side of that is that they do make a big deal out of the fact that she and Alex are also best friends so it's very sweet how she is taking care of her best friend who also was her boyfriend for a while
1: and this is where I think this movie being about Alex discovering his bisexuality versus discovering that he is gay would have been more interesting Uh, um because i think it would have been a lot more meaningful to have the conversation of hey like we we're we'll still be best friends but we need to move out of a romantic relationship um and i think it would have been more made that more murky and in an interesting way that could have given those scenes some more meat, as opposed to kind of feeling... And, I mean, all rom-coms should end a little bit with the feeling of, like, a little bow being tied. Like, I am very pro that. Like, there's a a reason 500 Days of Summer and La La Land are two of my least favorite movies, because they both try to get out of that, um, and I find that incredibly frustrating. Um, But I think it would have you know, given these actors a little more to do if that scene had been, had had that layer to it.
0: Well, and this movie also has a really odd relationship with the, like, spectrum of sexuality. Like, it it has a very sweet kind of coming out story for Alex, but also treats a lot of other gender identities and sexualities as a punchline yes which seemed like a really odd angle to go to i actually i looked it up because this movie felt so much like a movie about gay people being written by a straight guy and the writer and director craig johnson is out like has been publicly out for a long time like he's he's married to a a male television writer in new york and like he has been you know publicly gay for a long time which was very odd to me i Um, went through the same mental
1: thought process looking on wikipedia and definitely paused for a minute with a hmm because yeah
0: And what I think is one of the best scenes in the movie is the scene where um, Alex meets Elliot at the party and they're getting stoned together with Elliot's uh, friend who talks about, like, polyamory, that new thing that teens are trying these days. And I was like, what are you saying? Like... But on the other hand, it is very affirming for Alex. Like, people are very positive when he when he comes out he does not really he doesn't have to deal with a lot of or any like hate or you know nobody nobody is mean or cruel to him as a result of him coming out which felt very fantasy in a good way like I I kind of liked that we didn't also have to deal with not deal with but that this wasn't a a story about oppression it was just a story about a a, a teen figuring himself out and that that seemed like a weird dichotomy for me. Like that we could have that story and then also sort of blithely make fun of other people's identities.
1: Well, and I think it goes back to that scene we discussed a little bit before where Dell and Alex are talking as he's trying to open up to Del. And one of the things Dell does talk about, in addition to you can't be bisexual unless you listen to panic at the disco is and almost, like, Gen X or baby boomer voice coming through saying, oh, the kids these days, they, you know, they change their yes. gender. They date all sorts of people. They date more than one person at a time. It's so confusing. Ah. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's kind of the moment that dichotomy you're talking about was most apparent and uh,
0: kind of daring way so let's do a quick rom-com rehab on this one because i honestly i like the meat of it and i think it has some very good performances and the story overall is solid and affirming and very sweet but if we were going to fix this movie how would we do that
1: I I think first of all, by getting rid of that scene we've
0: talked about twice now, like that scene to just not be there. Or at least well, the- I don't know I don't know that I would get rid of it, but I would certainly change the content of it. Because I, I like the idea of having a scene where Alex is like, I would like to talk to someone who I love and trust about these things I'm feeling. But this was not the conversation that I wanted for him. Right. Right. I mean
1: yeah, I think getting, yeah, getting rid of those weirdly, like, biphobic comments and having a, like, what would have made more sense for me is Dell saying, oh, okay, well, I don't know, man. I, I don't know, you know, being more in the lurch of, I don't know how to help you, okay, and...
0: Rather than Or even just accepting, like, okay, talk to me about it. Like, what's going on? I, I feel like there's a way to do that while maintaining the fact that Dell is a doofus. Yeah, that's see that's what I'm like,
1: struggling like, with is I I think he is such a doofus that the best we could hope for
0: is, oh, okay.
1: But I I see where you're going. Like that that yeah, definitely would like have the, been a more enjoyable dynamic.
0: The sweet idiot. Is a is definitely a friend archetype in in teen movies. I think Dell can still be an idiot while also being like, oh, you know what conversation they should have had? Hmm. If you're by, you have twice as much of a chance <laughs> to be played. <laughs> there we go. That would have been yeah. great. <laughs> so I think there's a way to keep to make him supportive and also make him be an idiot. Um yeah, my big change is I would have made Alex buy. Yeah. I would have given him some conflict between like, I am in love with Claire, but also I'm feeling stuff about this new guy and I want to explore that and like seen how how that played out. Yeah,
1: I agree. I think that would have would have added an interesting layer and I think would have made more sense for the story they wanted to tell.
0: Related to that, I also thought it was kind of disappointing. So Alex attempts to have sex with two girls, Claire and then a random girl at a party. Um, but we only ever get to see him kiss Elliot. And I thought him having a positive sexual experience with a boy would have added uh, some some complexity and nuance to it. Also, you know, teen sex romps are always more likely to show straight, mm-hmm. uh, interactions. So like, let's, let's commit to this being a, a queer narrative.
1: Yeah. I think that having parody in the sense that we got to see him almost, you know, in various states of undress with two girls, And I think it would have been a good, a good thing to show him in a various state of undress with Elliot.
0: Yeah. I just, I I was kind of feeling that like, this is a very, this is a movie that can't really decide if it wants to be raunchy or not. Like Mm -hmm. the characters talk about sex, but it's actually pretty. I mean, it's not clean. Like, like I just said, Alex tries and fails to have sex twice. Um, but it's almost self-conscious in how it talks about sex. Like it any anytime anybody starts talking, like anytime one of the characters gets raunchy, it always feels like Alex doing it, who is super awkward and super uncomfortable talking about, like, sexual things. And I I wondered if if the movie was having trouble deciding how dirty it wanted to be.
1: Yeah, because there were some moments where it didn't, like, yeah, that was just kind of, it it felt forced, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, there was like a jarring, like, wait a minute, (sighs) is this a character who's like, I'm horny, I want to do it. Like, I, ah, I'm i a teen. My brain is not fully developed yet. Like, I'm trying to think through my hormones here. Versus, like, oh, this is something I'm genuinely nervous about and kind of need to work through. And I think it was trying to have its cake and eat it, too, in terms of, he's Zarnie, he wants raunchy times. But also, we want the raunchy times to... But also, we want to make him, like awkward about the raunchy times
0: i will say i almost had a moment where before we meet elliot in the movie i almost had a moment where i thought that it was gonna be that alex was asexual
1: mm-hmm.
0: which also would have been an interesting path for the movie to explore um because People make such a big deal over how not Interested in sex he is and I was like oh That would be You know talking about how like The the relationship between Like sex and love And emotional connection and not You know preferring that to a Physical one and like that that would Be uh, an interesting Story to tell I think that that may have been Too complex of a story for this Movie Um would have been interesting, know. Yeah, and it's one that I, I hope people, and I say this not knowing if there are films out there that do explore that, um, but I would be interested in seeing a romantic comedy where that was kind of the issue on the table. Yeah, I think,
1: I, I hope that is something that, if it has not been made, gets made. Um, speaking of an area where I think the film tried to have It's cake and eat it too i think the film needed to not hedge its bets in terms of talking about um claire and alex waiting for their college decisions um i think that they either needed to not talk about it or like really talk about it it was just kind of mentioned in passing which, as they both are presented as overachievers, seemed, like, not fitting. Like, I feel like it would have been something, and maybe it was the product of they were talking about their spring of senior year when, like, most college essay stress is happening in the fall and, you know, around Christmas. But I I would have liked to either have seen them talk about it more or less, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Uh, I agree. I think what the, I think what the movie was trying to do, and yeah, this was my reading on it. So we find out that Claire applied early admissions for Columbia, and she gets in. And we find that out pretty early in the movie. Alex also applied to Columbia. I think the implication is that he did not apply early decision. Yes. So he finds out that he did not get in um, on the same night that he and Claire. Try to hook up and it doesn't work So it's like a very compounding The misery sort of situation I felt Like that was the movie trying to make a statement On the fact that Alex Has issues the whole movie making Decisions So like Claire knows what she wants She knows she wants to go to Columbia She's going to apply early I would not be surprised If that was the only college she applied to Whereas Alex Is like Less um, less hardcore on the knows what he wants. Um, so he applied regular decision. That right. is me reading a lot into a conversation the movie never has.
1: Yeah. And
0: um, and I, I agree with you. I think the movie either needed to lean into that or not.
1: Right. And, and also I think it would have been a good springboard for talking about, and I feel like, Talking about college in teen movies is, you know, and I think we talked about this a little bit in The Perfect Date, but it's a good springboard for the characters to be talking about their future in general. And I think that that's where the successful college conversation comes in. And I think, you know, that was one of the more compelling through lines of the perfect date was that college decision um and i think that yeah if they really wanted to have that conversation they needed to have that conversation instead of just mention it i mean we don't even hear alex say oh i didn't get in we just are left to assume it based on the expression on his face and the fact that he gets a thin envelope um
0: yeah although that thin envelope is pretty ubiquitous
1: like really? if it was
0: an if it was an admissions packet, it would have been huge.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That like if he had gotten in, it would have been a big, thick package. Right. And so we're supposed to, by virtue of the fact it's a single letter and the look on his face,
0: but yeah. And then okay, they don't I- talk about it ever again. <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, that one almost felt like, uh, in addition to the layers and layers of symbolism that I have ascribed to it. <laughs> um, it also felt like someone said, oh, this is a teen movie and they're seniors, so we have to talk about college. Right. Like,
1: just don't have the conversation. Like, if yeah. you're going to touch on it, just don't talk about it. Or just mention in passing, oh, yeah, we're, you know, yeah, when I go to Columbia next year, blah, blah, blah. You know.
0: It always feels, when we're talking about teen movies, it always feels like there's at least one, like, stereotypical teen trope that gets included into the movie um out of obligation Mm -hmm. like so and this I I think that college was that for this movie sometimes it's prom sometimes it's like detention um and for this one it was like well we should probably at least throw something in about college it's like you didn't have to
1: no, they really didn't. Although, I did appreciate, speaking of prom, I did appreciate that this inclusion of prom was quite purposeful. Um, yes. It was not just, we're going to include prom to include prom. Um, which I appreciated.
0: Oh, yeah. And everyone looked very good at prom. I, I feel like sometimes the costuming choices in prom scenes are questionable. Did not feel that way for this movie.
1: Um, and it made sense with their through line. I... Um, yeah, it made me also appreciate the early scene where they have gone to a lot of these dances in couples costumes, many of which I found very good. Um,
0: I was, I was a little bummed. Yeah, I was a little bummed they didn't go full Gatsby. I was too. I really wanted that to happen. (laughs) I was like, come Um, on. Yeah, you mentioned it. (laughs) Yeah, like I
1: was ready for this. I was primed for this. And I did just like the idea of, oh, we're gonna go to our high school dances in costume because it's a fun thing we can do.
0: Yes. It made me wish that people had done that at my high school. I'm sure people did at my high school and I just didn't notice. (laughs) So would you recommend Alex Strangelove to our listeners out there? Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I I would. Um, I think, you know, we kind of talked through and then I I feel like we've spent more of this time harping in on the, the small problems with this movie. Well, I guess some of them are not small, but like I have I don't want to lose sight of the overarching yeah, it was a very lovely movie with some good performances and was definitely worth your time.
0: Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was sweet, I thought it was heartfelt. Um I I thought that the whole I thought the narrative of, you know, a high schooler figuring himself out and also trying to like not because can't, you know, can't his life just continue the way it is because it's easier. Like that all felt very real to me because there's there's definitely part of Alex that's a little bit like, well, why can't things just be the way that they are? And it's like, well, because that's not who you are, sweetheart. It's okay It'll be okay. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cute. I thought it was sort of a, I don't know. A lot of people want to compare this movie to Love, Simon. Yes. Which is fair, but also I feel that there is room for both of them in my, in my movie, movie viewing world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we leave you all, um, I would like to recommend another piece of literature. If you enjoyed Alex uh, Strangelove or enjoy the uh, narrative of teens discovering themselves, discovering their sexualities. Um, my recommendation for you for this week is a book called Boy Meets Boy by David Levithan. It is a very sweet YA... Uh, I'm trying to decide if I would call it a rom-com I I, Maybe just a sweet YA love story Um, But the reason that I am Picking this one uh, To pair with Alex Strangelove is that They both exist In a bit of a fantasy world Where um, The characters The main characters Don't suffer any negative consequences For coming out Like Alex His negative consequences are all sort of self-imposed, but in general, like, his friends um, are very accepting and cool with the fact that he is gay. And in Boy Meets Boy, the whole school in this story is very LGBT positive. The high school quarterback is trans. The main character has been out um, as gay for a long time. And it is this very sort of nice fantasy world where no one is mean to each other for being gay, and we can all just kind of focus on the really sweet relationships that are developing over the course of the book. So that is my recommendation for you today.
1: Um, I have read other David, uh, and I'm never going to pronounce this. I always in my head say David Leviathan, like a Leviathan, (laughs) which is, I'm sure, not correct. But I have read other of his books, but I haven't read that one, so I will have to check it out. Um,
0: Yeah, he is is very... um, just generally a very lgbt positive author so i I frequently recommend his books to people who are looking for uh queer narratives um yeah his stuff is fun well and i have a special
1: place for him in my heart because he collaborated with one of my former professors who is now a full-time ya author um on invisibility oh who's your who is your professor uh andrea kramer
0: I thought you were about to say that Rachel Cohn was one of your oh. professors and I was about to have a heart attack.
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So, yeah, Andrea
1: wrote. Um, what is her main book? Um, she she also wrote a series. Um, oh, Nightshade. That was it. Um, OK. Yeah. But. neat yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I'm generally fond of him. Um, so as is my want, my recommendation is going to be an adult romance, um, because that is the world of which I am a little more familiar. Um, and this one, although this one is actually, so I actually literally after finishing Alex Strangelove picked up my Kindle and started rereading this book because Alex Strangelove like reminded, like reminded me so much of the themes of it. Um, but it's called Him by Serena Bowen and L. Kennedy, Um, and it's about two hockey players who have just graduated college who are working as coaches at a hockey camp, um, over the summer before they both go, um, on to play on NHL teams. Um, one has long been out as gay and has been in love with the other one since they were teenagers, um, and over the course of the summer, um... The other one discovers his bisexuality, and they fall in love, and it's very sweet. Um, so yeah, I would recommend, and I think it it also, I really thought about while well, watching Str- Alex Strangelove, because I thought that Alex being bisexual would have been a much more interesting narrative, um, and that's what happens in this book, Him. So yeah, I would recommend it, Him by Serena Bowen and L. Kennedy.
0: So I have to tell you just before we sign off, um, I know at least four people that I'm recommending that book to immediately.
1: <laughs> and she has a whole like, if you want hockey-based romance novels, Serena Bowen
0: has got you covered. This is- I I know people for whom that is a very specific <laughs> desire.
1: Yeah, definitely send them Serena Bowen's way. She is one of my like four auto buy. Like, I, I will buy literally everything she writes, romance novelists. Um, and I am not, Excellent. like, I am not a hockey player. I grew up around hockey. But I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure you know many, many hockey interested folks. But, yeah, she also has the Brooklyn Bruiser series, which is really fun. Anyway, yeah. Yay. Please spread the word. Ooh.
0: For our next episode, we are going to be watching the Netflix original Candy Jar, starring a selection of people that I am pulling up right now. Um, Yeah, so it's Sammy
1: Gale and Jacob Lattimore um, are the two leads. Um, And this movie is also going to feature appearances by Christina Hendrick, Helen Hunt, and Tom Bergeron. Um So I think that's gonna be very interesting. Thank you for listening to Love Ya. Uh, if you are interested in finding myself, Marin Hagman, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at a underscore star underscore danced. Um, you can find Martha uh, in all the social media places at Magical Martha. Um, you can also subscribe to her tiny letter, um, uh, Magical Martha. Uh, we are, uh, under the umbrella of Did You Do Your Homework? Um, so definitely check out our sister, sister show, um, who also has a so- social media presence, pre- uh, social media presence, um, at Did You Do Your Homework podcast on Twitter and Instagram. um. And a special shout out to our producer and my husband, um, Pete, at Pico3000 on Twitter.
0: All right. We will see you all next time. Uh, Thanks for listening and love ya.